All right, Renee Vitelli. So I think we just got details about President Biden's uh, visit here uh, to uh, Detroit to walk the picket line with the UAW. Uh, We're watching Channel 4, and uh, we're reading the captions, Priamans outside the Wayne assembly plant. And it looks like, as of right now, the plan is for him to land at Detroit Metro at 1130 and join picketers around um, noon. So I'm guessing she's outside the Wayne assembly plant. I'm guessing that's where he's going. Uh, There's there's other plants, I'm sure, within a half hour of the... uh, uh, of of the airport, but that's what I think is happening. So he's going to be hanging out in Wayne County mainly. It sounds like it, it seems like that. Yeah. And, and I wonder how um, you know I wonder how that works with the Secret Service. Like, is he going to be the only one that's allowed to walk the picket line with the perimeter of Secret Service people? Right. They'll they'll probably be at the perimeter. So so those UAW strikers will be very safe. Not like they're unsafe picketing, but it sounds like they can do a background check on the picketers right right then and there. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 that's his photo op today. Tomorrow is Donald Trump's uh, photo op out in Macomb County making that speech at that auto supplier. Yeah. uh, Just ahead. So uh, what a what a hot mess the news has been. I can't keep up. Well, here's what I was thinking, too. You know, this strike will most likely still be going on this weekend. Uh And then we got that government shutdown looming. Yep. You know, what's it going? And we were talking the other day about how these government shutdowns kind of go in one ear and uh, out the other. But if you compound that with the UAW strike, what's that going to look like? A hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing. And this is the analysis you get out of the show. (laughs) I mean, we dumb it down. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically what we do. I can't think of a better word for it. Um, Speaking of hot mess, I guess um, Ford, that uh, $3.5 billion electronic vehicle battery plant out in Marshall, it's been put on hold for the time being. Ford said in a statement that we're pausing work and limiting spending on construction on the project until we're confident about our ability to competitively operate uh, the transition to EVs. That's been a huge sticking point of the UAW strike. Uh, Sean Fain posted a statement on Twitter saying the decision is a shameful, barely veiled threat by Ford to cut jobs. Uh, th- this this plant has been controversial since the beginning. It was announced back in February. And a lot of people are concerned that Ford is teaming up with a Chinese company to manufacture these EVs. Uh, it could create over 2,500 jobs, but I don't know, Renee, if uh, it, it seemed like last week when Sean Fain shut down uh, 38 uh, parts distributors that things were going well with Ford. I'm wondering if this is going to set him back. Yeah, I, I I mean, this really has come out of left field because uh, he, he kind of left Ford alone because they were negotiating nicely with each right. other. So this... Didn't see this one coming. Yeah. So either they either Ford legitimately uh, is saying we don't know what the financials are going to be of this new deal and we can't really go forward with this until we know or it's leverage on the UAW side to say, hey, bring down your demands a little bit or else we're not going to be able to make these investments. I feel like you have to look out for you. And that's what they're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, 
I appreciate, you know, he appreciates that they're, you know, playing nicely. But at the end, you have to look out for you. And that's what they're doing is protecting themselves at this point in the game. That's what I think is going on. Yeah, that or possibly they is something they had in their back pocket. Um, we'll see. I mean, yeah. uh, this this thing might get uglier for Ford where it kind of looked like uh, it was uh, uh, where it kind of looked like uh, it, it, it was. Maybe seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, an Oakland County court is expected to make a, a big decision uh, this Friday. Uh, yeah, a judge is expected to issue his decision in the Oxford school shooter Miller hearing later this week. The Miller hearing, which spanned multiple days during the summer, is to help determine whether the shooter can spend life in prison without parole for admitting for killing uh, to killing four and wounding others in November uh, of 2021 at Oxford High School. The judge plans to issue his decision this Friday on Zoom. The sentencing is set for December 8th in person. Yeah, so um, like you said, this isn't necessarily the sentence. It's just setting the parameters of the sentence. Right. And I'm glad you said the shooter. There there really has been a, a push to not say his name it's anymore. It's not necessary. Well, and, and, especially because in that Miller, that, that was a rough, rough Miller hearing. I mean, obviously, I just got the highlights or the lowlights on the news. I can only imagine what it was like for the families in there. They had to watch the surveillance footage of what happened. It's ripping the Band-Aid off again for them. Yeah. And, and um you know, there was just these really graphic, tragic accounts. It, uh, the prosecution really painted a picture of the shooter as someone who did it to be famous. Yeah. So I remember after that day and those revelations came out, um, there was a very coordinated effort to not say his name unless yep. um, because it's what he wanted. Yep. Uh, Mel Tucker, uh, his lawyers have released a 25 page document just the day before the deadline for a written rebuttal in last week's intent to terminate him issued by the university. Now, I thought the the uh, statement Tucker made last week was that, but I guess not. I guess he released a personal statement. Now his lawyer has released his own statement. Here are some highlights uh, by ESPN and the Detroit News. Um, the statement reads, There's nothing. this is nothing more than the school's knee-jerk reaction to negative publicity brought on by Miss Tracy. Brenda Tracy, the woman uh, uh, accusing uh, Tucker of sexual harassment. Uh, Her release of the 1,200-page investigative file to the national media. It's really going up over a lot of ground that was covered in last week's. It said that the uh, phone call in question um, where Tracy uh, accused Tucker of pleasuring himself against her will his lawyer is saying that it was consensual phone sex. It says that Tucker's just the fall guy for the university's negligence and misfeasance, the long history of which includes and predates the Larry Nasser matter, but which unfortunately has continued and tainted the university's handling of the matter. Uh, the letter also questioned why Mel Tucker was fired soon after he requested medical leave. And uh, Renee, that part makes me think that uh, they're trying to use that as more leverage to not terminate that contract he's still owed 80 million dollars right it. and so it they're saying he didn't breach his contract it questions the validity of validity of the school's investigation uh into the compliant against tucker and criticizes the school's inability to maintain confidentiality yeah and then it goes on to say that uh by uh terminating the contract msu is in breach of the contract right. therefore he's owed money and then listen to this this, this this was the part that really kind of jumped out at me. Uh, the letter was addressed to uh, Athletic Director Alan Haller. 
and it, and it calls him out uh, by name. It says, if the university investigated your private life or that of any other employee, it would certainly find something embarrassing to presumably justify your or their termination. And I'm wondering if that's just an argument or if that's a thinly veiled threat. I don't know. Is he saying not everyone's perfect? See, and that's what I'm saying. Say, like, hey, look, if you look, if you delve into anyone else's background, you're going to find, if you want to fire someone for cause, you're going to find a reason. Right. Or is it saying, you know, Mr. Haller, maybe we should look into, uh, into your background. That's interesting. Interesting statement. Uh, this is interesting, too. Next month marks the end of drug test probing for marijuana use among some of the government's tens of thousands of employees who work for the state of Michigan. Following a summer vote by members on the Michigan Civil Case Commission uh, who unanimously agreed to remove marijuana from the pre-employment drug testing protocols, the state policy will kick in at the beginning of October. Employees who work for law enforcement, operate vehicles, provide health care, or work with prisoners would be among those who would still be tested for cannabis uh, before being hired, though. Yeah, and, and and I think that's a great idea. Obviously, there are some jobs where you should not be on. Sure. You know, you, you, you shouldn't even be at risk of being under the influence. I mean, none of these jobs you should be high for. Right. But, um, I mean, but other than that, weed is legal. Right. They've legalized it. Um, it's not just stoners in a smoky van, you know. No, there's a lot of therapeutic use for it. Right, and and there's a lot of, I don't want to say normal people, but there's there's a, a, a bunch of quote unquote straights now. Right. You know, they'll do gummies. They'll do you know, they'll they'll use uh, cannabis in a, a, a number of different ways. And uh, I mean, just imagine and I don't know if they're having a hard time filling job positions, but but just imagine now you legalize something and then you disqualify every, everyone who uses uses it now. And and you really, you know, cut the. The, the talent and prospective employees pool uh, dramatically. Well, they said 48,000 people are employed by the state of Michigan. Two-thirds of people will be allowed to use it. Yeah. So uh, it's an idea that's that's past due, but I'm glad they're finally doing something about it because uh, it's like alcohol. You should not You should not be doing your job drunk, but if you're off the clock and, and you're using it responsibly, it's, it's, it's not – um, interfering with what you're doing on the clock, it's legal. You should right. be able to do it. Agreed. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. With Renee Vitale and Renee in that first segment, we were going over um, the 25-page document uh, suspended MSU football coach Mel Tucker's lawyer released about uh, the university's decision to fire him, pretty much saying it was a knee-jerk public relations stunt. And it, it even kind of called out Alan Haller, the athletic director, saying – if we probed your background or anyone else, I'm sure we'd find some skeletons. Right. Um, over the weekend, and we didn't get uh, to this. Um, we didn't get to this yesterday, but USA Today they they reviewed those 1,200 documents pertaining to the investigation, and uh, football coach Mel Tucker he told um, investigators that the the phone call in question that uh, made um, sexual assault educator and advocate. Uh, Brenda Tracy um, accused him of sexual harassment. The phone call in question where he he pleasured himself over the phone to her, she said against her will, he said it was consensual. He said that that happened um, on his own time at home. Uh-huh. And now this investigation says that it happened while he was in Florida. On a trip. On a trip. 
uh, for Michigan State to promote their um, their migrant outreach program. So that might be a little bit of a wrinkle that gives the university a little more legal ammunition. So now with this being released yesterday, does the university respond again? Is this going to be a constant back and forth? What happens now? That is a good question. Um, and, and I don't know if they just cool their jets until that uh, that hearing um, in October. Um, I, I thought I, I didn't think there'd be a, a, an intent to fire until after that anyway. Right. But maybe maybe this is kind of the volley. They they put out their notice to terminate. He responds and then they're both introduced in the hearing and then a decision's made there. Yeah. But but obviously um this this looks like it's it's heading to court. I mean yeah. uh he's still got eighty million dollars left on that contract. I, I don't think Mel Tucker has any uh desire to coach at Michigan State University anymore, but he probably has uh, quite a bit of interest in getting that $80 million. Oh, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, Parker, you made us wise to a story yesterday um, about ticket taxes and junk fees. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, Joe Biden tweeted out, quote, concert tickets are hard enough to get. You shouldn't have to pay surprise service fees on top of that. My administration is working to crack down on those junk fees so you know what you're paying up front. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, we've been talking about uh, with Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster, all this drama that's been happening uh, a couple months ago. Uh, this is a problem that we've been onto for a minute. Well, I'm wondering if it has anything to do with this new rule that's going into place. Um, it'll require anyone who re- receives $600 from a transaction from from Venmo, from Cash App, Ticketmaster, StubHub. Uh, they will now have to report those earnings to IRS, the IRS if they make more than $600. Threshold used to be $20,000, and they had to make <laughs> over 200 transactions. So it's come down quite a bit. Well, that's, that's one Taylor Swift different. ticket. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say, Park? 20000 That's one Taylor Swift ticket. Yeah, in the nosebleeds. Right. Uh, the sellers will receive uh, a tax form in the mail. So, um, and, and I'm guessing this is to combat scalpers and dynamic pricing um, this fish, is huge. Yeah. It, it could also be the government saying, hey, there's a lot of money left on the table. Yeah. Let's get in on that. Yep, yep. I, I'm conflicted. You know, I, I'm against the IRS looking for new ways to take our money. Um, that $600 concert ticket is going to become more and more common. Um, so, so you know, I, I'm wondering about the people who had something come up and they just can't make the concert and they want to recoup their money. But I also hate scalpers and people uh, an organization such as Ticketmaster driving up the the price, putting tickets out of reach of real fans. So I think overall, I am for this. I uh, wonder if there's a way to check, like if you're selling multiple tickets, right? Because if it's one person selling a six hundred dollar ticket for an event that they suddenly couldn't go to, that really sucks for them. Yeah, and you're probably, I, I mean, you're probably right. I, I don't think a lot of people are selling are, are buying tickets for six hundred dollars face value, and if you are, you're probably blocking off that time but 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 things happen so we're gonna see a lot of 599s <laughs> right That's exactly what's gonna happen yeah right right just staying at, at that threshold uh-huh i mean to be honest i wish artists would have just taken care of this themselves mm-hmm. parker you brought up taylor swift uh i remember when i i was first hit with dynamic pricing when i was trying to get uh, tickets to to blink 182 the classic lineup reunion and uh yeah, you know when 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 the fans were getting fleeced, these artists just kind of threw their hands up, like, "Oh, sorry, nothing we can do." Right. But then you got Robert Smith from The Cure, 
who he he called Ticketmaster out and he got uh, those fees refunded to a lot of his fans. He put safeguards in place to make sure that things couldn't be resold at dynamic pricing so that people who wanted to come see their, their show would actually see their show. And the uh, uh, Oliver Anthony, the Richmond versus no- yep. Richmond, he actually canceled a whole show because the venue was charging too much. So if the Richmond, north of Richmond guy can do something about it, these huge acts can do something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. They, they're trying to do this ignorance is bliss, but they if you really want to do something about it, you can. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I have this conspiracy theory that, uh, you know, Ticketmaster is the only game in town. Mm. So these artists are probably in cahoots with Ticketmaster saying, Let's sell these let's sell these tickets for for a lot of money. You can blame it on Ticketmaster. What are people going to do? They can't go buy their tickets elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So we'll be the fall guy, and we'll both get filthy rich. And now Taylor Swift is almost a billionaire uh, after that Eras tour. Uh, how much do you guys think a Taylor Swift ticket went for on you know in the resale market on average? Uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Park. Uh, I, I'd say that's a pretty close average. I think I'm going to bump it up to uh, 2000 I'm going to say $1. Uh, wow. <laughs> $1, Bob. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, Renee was actually uh, right. Uh, StubHub, the average ticket sold for $1,100, uh, $1,600 on SeatGeek. Jeez, so. Pete's. Um, now, and, and we said this yesterday, we, we have made a pledge on this show not to cover Taylor Swift's love life. We are a news organization. We are above that. Only the hard-hitting stuff. We will not waste your time. However. How, when Patriots coach and lovable curmudgeon Bill Belichick says something funny, I will cover it. So I guess uh, Bill Belichick does this morning, Monday morning thing with a sports station out of Boston. Yeah. And he was asked about it, and... Uh, <clears throat> Let me let me try a Bill Belichick impression. He said uh, he was asked about Travis Kelsey and and Taylor Swift, and he said, <clears throat> "Well, I would say that Travis Kelsey has had a lot of big catches in his career. This would be the biggest." Oh! And, <laughs> uh, and you know the host the host l- laughed way harder than was warranted because Bill Belichick tried to make it funny. I am a little bummed out about this because I feel like this was almost a bigger story than the Lions win. Oh, it was. It was the it was the biggest story of the weekend. I know. This was a big sports story. Well, sports, I mean, sports aren't X's and O's anymore. It's sports is. I know. It really bums me out. It's the storylines uh, surrounding down, it. down, Taylor. Come on. <laughs> let us have it. Uh, Renee, this is Coach Bill Belichick, and uh, I understand you have some story about a really uh, what you deem to be a terrible contest for a free trip. <laughs> about as exciting as my press conferences yeah so um it is actually pretty i mean there's someone that would appreciate this it's just not us or me um i gotta find it i actually just lost it i'm sorry um so Uh uh-oh there is this uh, trip. She just lost focus for I, I a second. I just lost focus. Yeah. There's a historic lighthouse called the White Shoal Light, which sits within Lake Michigan. It's about 20 miles west. Sounds of, like a retirement community. Doesn't it? 
We're going to send Grandma to the White Shoal. <laughs> uh, it's about 20 miles west Dinner's of the Mackinac, at four. <laughs> Mackinac Bridge. The caretakers have announced a contest where they're offering free stays inside the lighthouse to celebrate its 113th anniversary. But to get one, you have to find one of four messages in a bottle. They were dropped into the Mackinac Straits back on Labor Day weekend, and none of them have been found yet. The messages feature various offers for a free stay for one, two, or up to five people. Now, there aren't many specifics on the accommodations, but uh, this isn't the Four Seasons. You're roughing it to some degree for an incredible experience. Now, there's a reason for the messages in the bottles. They're paying tribute to the Armistice Day blizzard of November of 1940, where longtime lightkeeper George Keller threw a message in a bottle into the water in case he didn't survive the storm, but he did. And the bottle Phew. was found a few weeks later by a fisherman. Each of the bottles for the contest has a different message from one of four descendants of George Keller. You can follow the contest at White Shoal Lighthouse's Facebook page. They've posted photos of the bottles those actually look really cool uh they have posted uh packages to raise money to restore the landmark as well if you actually want to buy one of them and they say that the guest rooms have modern bathrooms but well, keep in good. mind modern is relative to a 113 year lighthouse also if you're staying at the at the lighthouse you have to work the lighthouse and make sure that no uh ships crash into the harbor which this, sounds like a lot of pressure it sounds awful like you're in the middle of the water it's not like one of those lighthouses that you walk out to oh like, you have was, to be taken out to it, it looks... i was gonna say i'd have to see the airbnb listing I, I you told me about the story i started looking up lighthouses on airbnb but a lot of them were like just Houses with like a decorative yeah, lighthouse. Yeah, no. I, I if I came across one of those bottles on my dinghy cruising around, I'd be like, eh, "Nothing to see there. That doesn't look fun." You, it'd be like you caught uh, a home run from the opposing team. You throw right. it back. Yeah, no, I don't want that. All right, we have to uh, take a quick, quick break. So if you see these bottles, do not tell Renee. It's first Please thing with don't. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. And we are heading into JR Morning, joining Renee and I in studio. As always, this time of morning, Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, Jamie Edmonds. Good morning, everyone. Good, Good morning. morning. Um, I, I am so embarrassed. Uh, yesterday was a big holiday, and I completely forgot about it. Uh, yesterday was one hit wonder day, and it completely snuck up on me this year. Wow. It's a national day sort of every day, but that's there, it is. Yes. It was National Daughters Day yesterday. That's too. what it I was, was. going to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And my wife did make a nice post about our dog. How did you and I forget that? I did. Or, Oof. I, mean, I posted for on. National Daughters oh, Day. I, did. I posted. My, I posted yeah. too because, you know, my daughter's in the service. And yeah. I can't oh, keep up with that. all the days, though. National Pickle Day. Uh, oh, it's a national day for day. everything. We got to get. Who got, decides this? I need a. Yes. Probably some company trying to sell something. That's my guess. No question. Exactly yeah. Hallmark rules yeah. the world. We got to get Guy one of those calendars. I had one of those calendars. My birthday was uh, is August 13th, and uh, I'm left-handed, and it's National Left-Handers Day. So oh. it kind of makes sense. Oh, well, yeah. well, Guy. National Why Don't My Scissors Work Day. <laughs> right. Oh, it's a day for everything. Uh, national uh, Why Do I Have Pencil All Over My Hand Day. That's Right there um, with you. So USA Today put out a list of it, it, uh, 25 best one-hit wonders. It's not necessarily in any order. It's in it's in alphabetical order. Okay. But uh, putting you all on the spot off the top of your head, uh, w what's a song you guys think would probably be on the list of best one-hit wonders? Oh, man. Mm, Dexy's Midnight Runners. 
Come on, Eileen. Yep, oh, that's on there. Yep. It is? Yeah. 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 And, See, and, I'm going way back. Uh, love grows where my rosemary goes. Oh, I love oh that yeah. Song. Or, yes. or Brandy. Brandy. You're, you're a, a fine, fine girl. girl. Oh. What a good vibe. You Give us that high note. There we go. <laughs> Lloyd kills it on those high notes. Lloyd. I, you see, I just came across this, so I didn't have time to pull anything. So I, I was hoping that uh, at least one of us would break out in this song. And Lloyd delivers. Yeah. Um, Brandy is one of the ones that were, were was left off. That's a crime. I, yeah. I, I'm not sh- I, I don't know the first one guy was talking about, but... Uh, Love grows. Where my rosemary goes, and nobody knows like me. How am I the least hip person on this show? What's not on here? I'm surprised. Sugar Hill Gang, rappers delight. Rappers delight? Yeah, and 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 here's the criteria for 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 one hit one. It has to be the guests. I, I mean the uh, the artist one. Uh, top 40 hits. So that, okay. that got up to 39. But when you think about how influential Rapper's Delight was, it's it's credited as being the first rap song. Yeah. Commercially. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial yeah. yeah. First commercial rap song. That's not on it. I think it's 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 kind of a shame. And then it had a resurgence for, uh, what was it, The Wedding Singer? Yeah, because they had some, yeah. Remember the 90s? Every comedy had some old lady rapping. Yep. That yeah. was like <laughs> such a trope. <laughs> so, uh, Hey, Mickey, You're So Fine is on it. Chumbawamba's tub thumping. Oh, oh did I? It, okay. I, what I like is the sound of disgust, uh, disgust escalating as I as I read more and Working more. Working in radio, some of those songs. You're yeah. Like, oh, I could die happy if I never heard that song again. Yeah. Dexie's Midnight Runner is on it. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Uh, Eagle Eye Cherry Safe Tonight, which is one of my favorite, but I don't think it's one of the biggest one hit yeah. wonders of all time. Uh, the Macarena is on air. That definitely belongs on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank God they didn't have a follow up. Yeah, right. <laughs> they might have. We just never heard it. Yeah, right. Where's who let the dogs out on this list? That's that's a criminal omission uh, 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 from this. And uh, tag teams, whoop! There it is. Uh, okay, yeah. On it, yeah. So. yeah, that would have been. Wasn't, yeah. Didn't Dennis Archer kind of have that as his theme song during his campaign? Doing a campaign. Once, I remember yeah. him doing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> and that was pretty hip. I mean, that was that was a yeah. that was a pretty new song when he was running for yeah. for mayor. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, so Mel Tucker's lawyer uh, put out a 25-page document. Jamie actually uh, uh, brought our attention to the story at first. Wasn't me. <laughs> right. It, it was, it was pretty. another song. That actually. is another song. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shaggy has a surprising amount of hits. Like, <laughs> wow, Shaggy. But uh, it... it and I thought last week's Mel Tucker rebuttal was this written rebuttal, but I guess not. But it's 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 pretty much the same, saying that everything was consensual and this is a, a knee jerk reaction to the Larry Nasser um, um, controversy, and that uh, the only reason he's being fired is because it's been made public. But there was a really interesting uh, um, line in here. The letter was addressed to Alan Haller, and it says. If the university investigated your private life or any other employees, it would certainly find something embarrassing to presumably justify your or their termination, which I thought was kind of I a... I find that very aggressive. I do, too. And, and, and I was wondering, okay, is this sort of like, is, is this sort of like, hey, we all make mistakes. If you're looking for a reason to fire someone, you're going to fire them. Or, or is it a thinly veiled threat saying... Right, but I know stuff. 
Yeah. yeah, like I got some info, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, the yeah. most significant legal argument he has is that he was denied due process, is mm-hmm. that they just started the termination process before they even got to the hearing. Right. And, and I think that was the most surprising thing. I think we were all thinking that there was not going to be a, a notice to terminate, an intent to terminate until after uh, this hearing uh, in October. So and- now did they respond back to this? Well, this was the formal process. He had seven days. There's the response. And I bet they'd fire him still today. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The process is you get to do this, but it's already a done deal. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a lot of things we're watching out for. Biden's visit. Uh, Mel Tucker, uh, his firing is going to be a very busy day. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about today and tomorrow. First thing. With Renai Vitali and Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky's visit to the United States last week, was a bit different than the one he had right after the Russia-Ukraine war broke out. Jonathan Savage, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor, discusses it with Paul W. Smith on Focus. Jonathan Savage is uh, checking in. He's our Fox News uh, News, uh, correspondent, WJR contributor. He happens to be based in London, which is not a bad place to be based, I think, and to have the world view on what's been going on with the Ukrainian president, uh, Zelensky, of course, the blue and gold flag-draped hero worship that he experienced when he came here uh, a while ago was a distant memory when he came here this past week, nine months later, uh, back in town, and he and his host learned some jarring lessons about one another at a moment when a path to ultimate victory in the war against Russia seems increasingly distant. And these feelings are similar around the world, but America continues to be the biggest donor for their war and uh, jonathan savage covering all that from a worldwide perspective good afternoon jonathan hello good afternoon uh what can you add to the story i we know that we give a lot more money than anybody else and it was a mixed reception at best in washington and and that could very well uh, foretell some of the political storm to come because it has become a very political storm because we have plenty of problems in these United States, and we keep hearing about another billion or several uh, going away from us. It's starting to get people's attention. Yeah, that's right. $46.6 billion is the U.S. military aid commitment so far to Ukraine. That doesn't include commitments related to humanitarian aid or just financial aid. Um, That's from the United States. The next uh, biggest contributor is Germany, just under $19 billion. So there is a big difference. And when he went to the United States last week, President Zelensky came away with a mixed bag. He came away with another $300 $25 million package of military aid. He came up back with long-range missiles that can attack Russia well beyond the front line. So tick and tick there. But he was definitely hoping for more. He is hoping for a $24 billion package to be authorized by Congress. But of course, that hasn't happened yet. There is concern that the cross-party for support for funding is, is weakening, not just in the United States, but closer to home as well. Well, in the last week, there has been an escalating um, situation involving Ukraine and the leaders in Poland. Um, President Zelensky um, went to the United Nations last week and and in a a swipe at Poland accused um, countries in Eastern Europe of political theatre. And Poland struck back saying, do not 
insult us like that anymore. President Zelensky indirectly accused Poland of helping Russia. That went down very badly. Polish President Andrzej Duda saying Ukraine is a drowning person who could pull you down with it. Um, situations de-escalated a bit, but tensions are high and temperaments are high. Well, you know, it's not that he, it's not that he cried wolf. I mean, that's the one of the analogies that comes to my mind. But certainly, his relentless efforts to shame the world into action, I think, is reaching that point. Uh, I saw somebody wrote of uh, diminishing returns. You know, that worked in the beginning, but it's starting to run a little bit uh, thread worn. Because nothing that he said would happen would happen. Their their counterattack. Their they. I mean, it still looks very much like they are going to lose it all. He's fighting for his life, and he has been since the very start. And he's not just fighting for his life; he's fighting for the lives of every single one um, of his people. Um, in terms of the, the success or otherwise of the, the counteroffensive, um, they admit it's slow but steady progress. They say they are making progress. Um, and some analysts say that, yes, there's evidence to suggest that's the case, but it is the most landmined country in the world, so they can't simply charge over the fields. But having said that, there's no doubt that people such as President Biden would have liked to have seen a bit quicker progress because it makes things easier for him back home when he goes to Congress and asks for uh, billions more um, to be sent to Ukraine. But also, on, on the, the, the thing you mentioned about the approach that President Zelensky has taken, there have been times in recent months where um, his allies have suggested that perhaps Ukraine should show a bit more gratitude for the help <laughs> right. they received. Um, Ben Wallace, the then UK Defence Secretary, said whether we like it or not, people want to see a bit of gratitude. Um, But I should say today, um, in a a message that that was sent out by President Zelensky, he, um, when saying that US tanks, Abram tanks had arrived, he uh, did say that he wanted to to send out his gratitude. So he is, is, I think, responding to that message. Um, He he said, I'm grateful to our allies for fulfilling the agreements. um, And it's good news that the tanks have arrived. So yeah, he, while he is fighting for his life, he also has to play the political game as well um, in in an environment which is, is changing regularly on a daily basis based on the the moods of his his allies and his opponents. And as the clock ticks and time goes by, um, more people are kind of tuning in to the problems Ukraine has had with corruption. That's been downplayed in the media because it's something that President Donald Trump pointed out a long while ago. So therefore, it became not important because Donald Trump mentioned it. The media didn't care. Uh, but that's been a problem, and as time goes by and more money goes to them, that's really going to continue to be a problem. And then you, you've got presidential uh, uh, candidates like, well, she was a former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, uh, is pushing back on the criticism for all of the Ukraine support. Uh, she said, you have a thug invading a pro-American, freedom-loving country, which is what means... We should stand up and defend them. But everybody is saying, "Okay, but how long do we have to keep doing that in this circumstance? One wonders. 
On the subject of, of corruption, um, this was mentioned today by another of Ukraine's allies. Um, this is the, the Prime Minister of, of Slovakia saying that Ukraine's ambition of joining the European Union is far off because of the, the ongoing war, corruption and democratic shortcomings. So it is something that Ukraine's allies are aware of. But it's also something that President Zelensky is no doubt aware of. Um, in recent weeks, he had a massive overhaul in his Defence Department where he sacked um, a number of senior officials, replacing them um, in what was understood by, by uh, Ukraine analysts to be um, partly um, a response to allegations of, of corruption in the Defence Department. So Jonathan Savage on how much different Zelensky's visit was this time. It's first thing on WJR.